Jazz 90.1. Take jazz further. From the beautiful beaches of Charlotte to the town of Chile, from the pastoral setting of Avon as far away as Newplatz, it's the show that cares about local jazz. It's Traffic Jam, and here's Jason Crane. Howdy, friends. Welcome to the show for this Friday, the 25th day of June, 2004. All this week, we've been taking a look at the album Swiss Movement. It was recorded in Montreux, Switzerland, at the 1969 Montreux Jazz Festival, and it featured a very improbable but successful recording by Les McCann, Eddie Harris, Benny Bailey, Leroy Vinegar, and Donald Dean. Every day this week, we've heard some excerpts from the album, and I've told you as best I could about the story behind the record. Today, though, I've got a little surprise for you. In just a few minutes, Les McCann himself will be here on the show, and he'll tell us in his own words about this classic album. I know, it's the kind of love I have for you, friends. So uh, I'm pretty psyched about this. Uh, really, really love Les McCann and very excited to talk to him. He's on tour right now. He's going to talk to us from uh, Aspen, Colorado, where he's performing last night and tonight. And that's coming up after we hear a tune that never was on the original album and was found years later for the reissue. It's a Leroy Vinegar tune called Kaftan. Coming up right here from Swiss Movement on Jazz 90.1. Lesson one, basic hip. Vous êtes formidable. Sans vous, je suis rien. Avec vous, je suis tout. And now we play a song by our bassist, uh, Leroy Vinegar. This is a song we don't have a title for it yet. So if you want to get with the groove, just go on and stretch out and let your feet stamp and whatever you want, just feel it. If we feel it. <laughs> Here we go.
That's music from the reissue of the album Swiss Movement. That album was recorded 35 years ago this week. As a matter of fact, 35 years ago this past Monday, June 21st, 1969. That was a Leroy Vinegar tune, which obviously, as you heard in Les's intro, did not have a name at that time. They've since retitled it Kaftan. That wasn't on the original LP, and according to uh, producer Joel Dorn, who I actually uh, had the chance to speak with last week, uh, he was saying that pretty much back in the day when this came out, uh, they figured LPs should be about 20 minutes aside. And so if they took that tune out, it was about 20 minutes aside for everything else. And actually, that tune had kind of been forgotten about, according to Joel, and then he was looking at a video that had been made of the performance, and he noticed that tune. And he thought he was going to be reduced to taking the sound from the video and putting it on the CD reissue as a bonus track. And then uh, one of those library miracles, uh, the librarian at Atlantic Records, went into the tape library and found the original master tapes of that recording. So we got a chance to hear uh, what I think is a really fine tune from Leroy Vinegar and the band and the Swiss Movement album. It's 13 minutes after 4 o'clock, 60 degrees outside. I don't know where our summer went, but it seems to have gone. I'm sure it will come back. It's supposed to be gorgeous this weekend, actually. And today, being Friday, means it's also the last day of our special salute to the album Swiss Movement. Uh, as you've heard on this show many times, uh, certainly one of my all-time favorite albums. It gets a, a repeated airings here on this show. And so this week, I thought we'd pay tribute to it. And kind of stupidly, when you talk about a legendary record like this, you never think, ah, well, I bet I could call Les McCann up and get him on the phone. You think, ah, that'll never happen. Well, two days ago, I decided, heck with it. I'm going to see if I can get him on the phone. And so uh, I went to his website, and uh, lesmccann.com, by the way, and sent off an email to uh, his management, and really, really great. They called me back uh, the next day, said, uh, we'll try and set it up. Les is on tour, but we'll see if we can make it happen. Well, he made it happen, and uh, I'm really excited now to welcome to the show from Aspen, Colorado, where he's uh, doing a two-night stand as part of his summer tour, Les McCann. Les, welcome to the show. Oh, very happy to be a part of it. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Mm -hmm. Really excited to have you here. And uh, first of all, let's talk about this summer tour. You're traveling to the U.S., Canada, and Austria. You're in Aspen tonight. You were in Boulder uh, a couple nights ago, and you're on your way into uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, Victoria. It's quite a busy summer for you. Well, it's about time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fortunate enough to be playing with these great musicians, uh, 
and it's not now my normal band. So we call ourselves the Soul Survivors, Ernie Watts and um, Buddy Williams and Cornell Dupree, who is really the leader, and uh, myself. So we we have a good time out here. Fantastic. What kind of material are you playing, Les? Mostly a, a kind of songs that uh, Cornell would play, which is kind of bluesy, but uh, touch of jazz, but mainly the blues kind of things. That's fantastic. Now, uh, all this week, of course, we've been listening to Swiss Movement, and to me, one of the most amazing things about the record is how unlikely it is that we ever even got to hear it. And I thought we could maybe uh, just ask you for, for your remembrances of that day. Now, my understanding is that in 1969, at the time of the festival, um, Atlantic Records wanted to send your band and Eddie Harris's band to Montreux, kind of as a show of support for what was then a, a festival only in its third year. And you would just sign with Atlantic. Eddie had had a couple records out on the label. Obviously, you'd had records on other labels. And uh, you guys each headlined a night. And then they decided, or someone decided, maybe it was you, at the end of the week to do a jam session. Is that is that how it went down? Basically, uh, Joel has suggested that since we were both there at the same time, and we both were going, uh, Eddie and I went a couple of days earlier. I always try to get to a long trip early so I can get acclimated to what's happening, you know. And so, and Eddie and I happened to be on the same flight, and we started talking. I didn't really know him that well then. I loved his music. But uh, he said the same thing that Joel said to me. Let's, why don't you see if you two guys can uh, do something together? So we talked about it. We decided it was a good thing to do. So we went out that night trying to find guys who would play with us, you know, that would be make the record truly unique, you know. So that's what happened. Now, uh, one of the guys you found was a guy who actually lived in Switzerland at the time, although he uh, is an American, and he was working with, uh, I think, the Swiss radio band in Lausanne, and that was Benny Bailey. Had you uh, met or played with Benny before? Never. We, uh, uh, when I said Eddie and I went out, we, we, we were talking about what we're going to do. So we know we got a rhythm section, but I would think we ought to have a trumpet player. So my favorite trumpet player ever around that time was Clark Terry. And uh, we went to him and asked him, would he play with us? And he he didn't like the thought of, uh, he didn't know anything about me. So, yeah, you know, it was just not that he was nasty. And he just said, uh, you know, no, I'm not interested. And to this day, every time I see him, he's crying in my face saying, but that's the worst mistake you ever made. I said, no, no, because he's a great, great person. And, uh we went out on the town. I mean, I, if I told you the whole story, you would not believe the things that happened. That's all related to this. It would take too long to tell it. But, uh, I mean, I got arrested at one point because uh, while Eddie and I were out looking for music, there was a drunk that followed me and him to every club. And he got really up in my face more than I really need to have and could not be controlled. To a point came when I noticed he had a pocket full of money. And I was an expert pickpocket in those days. But I used to do it just for fun, you know. And I took his money. And I didn't even think about it. Uh, the next day, <laughs> the police come looking for me and got the wrong room and uh, was going to arrest Benny Bailey. He said, I'm not Les McCain, you know. And so they called me up and said, get out of your room. I said, what do you mean get out of here? He said, uh, the police are looking for you. I said, for what? 
He said, you know that guy, you said somebody's money last night? I said, oh, yes, I did. He said, that was $4,000 you took. I said, well, it's right here. You can have it back, you know. And once I explained the whole situation to the police and the, the people of the festival, they knew what was going on. They were just trying to correct the problem, you know. And um, we'd ask so many while we were out. And while we just said, man, hey, man, we'd like to be on a record with us. And he said, hey, man, nobody's ever even heard of me. I'd love to be on a record with you guys. And that's how it happened. Now, Benny said after the fact that, he was a little nervous before he recorded with you guys because he wasn't used to uh, kind of that the soul kind of funkier jazz end of things and that he was worried whether or not he was going to be able to keep up but man you sure can't tell listening to the record that he had any nerves at all before he went on stage well it was all in his own head when we heard him play Eddie and I we knew that he was the guy we wanted you know because we liked what we heard and had nothing to do with funk because he was just a great musician and uh, he kept saying, I don't know how, he didn't know how to play on just one chord for a long period of time, which was kind of what was happening in Miles' few records. I just, just have one th- kind of chord that supports the whole thing, didn't travel around to too many sections. And uh, and we just told him, I said, hey, we love you, we heard you, we like you, just whatever you do will be all right. Just do it and don't, don't even worry about it. He was nervous. And a great moment happened with that. Finally, he's into his solo. He's saying, how, you know, he wasn't thinking about anything. And he has his eyes closed. I don't know if you saw the video, did you? I have, and I know what moment you're about to tell. Please, You know do. what I'm saying? I and, do. And he's playing away, and we're hanging him on. He says, wow, these people are going crazy. He opens his eyes, and there's Elephant Joe coming into the room and sitting down. And he looks up and says, I'm sorry. And he's so you. <laughs> But we laughed about that for years. That was a great one. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, yeah. part of the mythology of this album is that there was no rehearsal, uh, no music on the stage other than music at your piano, and Eddie Henderson looking over your shoulder, uh, kind Eddie of back Henderson. on the stage. Uh, Eddie Harris, I'm sorry. Eddie Harris looking over your shoulder. Les uh, McBrown. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Oh, man. Happy to everybody. Um, so, uh, Eddie Harris looking over your shoulder and occasionally having to, to call out the chords. Now, is is that part of the mythology or is that the fact? That's a fact. That's a fact. Because, uh, you know, when the guys don't know it, my job is to make sure the bass player knows it. And uh, Eddie was uh, trying to let uh, Benny know what was coming and you know it wasn't that big a thing because the songs like I said were very simple changes but uh, all of those things you heard were part of this whole event you know it was was a moment in history you know now we should mention you were saying that uh, every time Clark Terry sees you he talks about the mistake that he made and uh, certainly in terms of success and recognition this was a huge album for everybody involved it was number one on the Billboard Jazz Charts. It was number two on the R&B Charts in 1970, number 29 on the Pop Charts, and a number, uh, a top 100 pop single uh, came off the album as well. And, of course, I'm talking about the signature track, Compared to What. Yes. Now, a lot of folks don't know that you had recorded Compared to What on your one of your records before this. T- tell us about that. Well, in uh, my... Um Days before I was ever even known, my my singer in my band was a young, talented, the greatest singer I've ever heard, really, named Eugene McDaniels. 
And we were friends. We worked together in all over Los Angeles, and people would come from everywhere to see us. And we kind of had our own little in, uh, you know, built-in crowd. We played all the coffee houses in Los Angeles. They didn't have music in those days. So we'd go there and set up and do our thing, and, and the couples would hire us, you know. So um, he, would all, he, was, he was more interested in songwriting than he was in performing himself. So he would bring me lyrics. And when I saw that one, I said, whoa, this is great. And um, I just did it the way he uh, showed it to me, which was a little simple rhythm. Doop, 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 A little line, line, love. It would be almost something if Bob Dylan had done this song, you know? Because I'm sure Gene was a big Bob Dylan fan with the lyrics that he would, way he would write. And, uh, uh, see, I lost my place here. So Gene, Gene brought this tune to you, and you recorded it for one of your own? And it was on an album. I don't even remember what album it was on. But so many radio, sta radio stations were uh, firing for playing the record because it had the words, uh, God damn it. In. And uh, I said, oh, everybody says that word. And they called me back and said, no, you know, it's not for that word. It's the word abortion. What? So uh, some station in Seattle was uh, got a stiff fine, about ten thousand dollars. This was back in that when that was a lot of money. So um, that's kind of put a damper on that. It wasn't even out there yet. So um, me, I, when I hear a song I like, I wait at least uh, a year or half till I feel like I can make it mine. There comes a moment after playing it all these times or doing it, trying it different ways, click, something clicks, ah, I got it. So it, that exactly happened one night on the bandstand at the lighthouse in Los Angeles, almost the beach. And uh, I had my trio, and I said, hey, no, I got an idea. I want to try it like this. Just let's get the funk going and get the groove in the house to sing. And the people went out of their minds. And we knew exactly how we was going to do it. Not even Eddie knew how we were going to do it because he had never heard it. And when we got to Switzerland, that was the first time he'd ever heard it. It was my first time to ever hear Cold Duck Time. So all those things, and Ed and I had uh, talked through a rehearsal on the plane. I think it was on the plane going over. So we had about five or six things that we knew we could put together, all the things we were concerned with, how we were going to uh, you know, get it to whoever we hired extra as the trumpet player and the guys in the band. But um, Ahmad Jamal came up to me, and I was telling him, oh, man, we're all nervous about it. He said, hey, you guys are professionals. We are professionals. And that broke my chain forever worrying about stuff ever again. So that was that. Was that. My guest is Les McCann, if you can believe that. He is uh, one of the guys behind Swiss Movement, Les McCann and Eddie Harris. That album was recorded 35 years ago this week at what was then the third edition of the Montreux Jazz Festival. They did a jam session on Saturday, June 21st, 1969, and all this week we've been paying tribute to this, one of the classic albums in the world of jazz. And, uh, hey, what do you know? We've got Les right here on the line from Aspen, Colorado, where he is on tour across the U.S. and Canada and Austria. We'll talk more with Les in just a second, but as this is the Drive Time Show, I do want to give you a quick look at what's happening in the traffic around town. Metro traffic reporting a few accidents right now. One on East Henrietta Road at Rush Menden Road. Another on Lyle Avenue at Matilda Street. 
And a third accident on St. Paul at Upper Falls Boulevard. 490 eastbound at Route 33A. The on-ramps and off-ramps are closed in six-hour intervals today. Otherwise, the expressways are looking pretty good right now, and you shouldn't have uh, too much to worry about as you head home. 27 minutes after 4 and 60 degrees. More with very special guest Les McCann just moments from now on Traffic Jam here on Jazz 90.1. Jazz at its best is an improvised art form. Tune in to Andy's Mood every Saturday night at 6 for some improvised jazz radio. This is Andy Hines, and every Saturday I start us off with the best in Latin jazz, bebop, old and new, and a little of the B3 thrown in there too. Plus your requests always help predict the unexpected. Andy's Mood every Saturday night at 6 until 9 on Jazz 90.1. More than any other station in Rochester, Jazz 90.1 is powered by its members. If you enjoy the great jazz, blues, and specialty programming here on Jazz 90.1, then you need to support the music with your membership. Call 621-9233 today to add your name to the list of people who appreciate quality music and who are willing to support community radio. Call 621-9233 and become a member of Jazz 90.1. Jazz 90.1 Take Jazz Further That is hanging up The goddamn nation Looks like we always end up In a rut Everybody now Trying to make it real Compared to what Come on baby That's the classic sound Of Les McCann and Eddie Harris From the 1969 album Swiss Movement Recorded 35 years ago this week, and all this week here on Traffic Jam. We're paying tribute to this record. Today is Friday. We've got just one tune left that we haven't heard, and uh, appropriately enough, it was the encore on that evening. And I'm just absolutely thrilled to be able to welcome from Aspen, Colorado, where he's on uh, part of his summer tour, Les McCann, to the show. Now, uh, Les, we've talked about uh, Benny Bailey. We've talked about Eddie Harris. Tell us who else was on the band that night. Uh, Leroy Vinegar on bass, uh, uh, Donald Dean, uh, you know, it's one of the things that people say because they announce the way they say, Donald Dean, everybody comes and say, hey, Donald Dean, they want me to know, they know, they can hear the record and they say the little subtle things are part of it. So Donald Dean on uh, drums, and uh, who else was it? I think that's it, and you. Yeah, 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 me, Montana. <laughs> I hope these people out there having these accidents in Rochester not doing it because they're listening to my re- song, you know. That's right. Now, uh, Leroy and Donald were your, uh, and the three of you were the trio. Uh, right, you guys had right, headlined right. earlier in the festival. Right. How long had that trio been together at that time? Oh, for a while, because uh, we worked all over Los Angeles and going out on those short tours. And um, Leroy Vinegar being... Uh, one of the great bass players at that time. He's my next door neighbor, so we often had a chance to get together to work out the music, you know. So it was an ongoing thing, and just having Don Dean, you know, the, the drummer was an unbelievable swinging person. So it was like a divine intervention. It was just 
the timing and everything was right on. You know, we were all aware of it. You know. Now that '69 Montreux Festival was a heck of a festival, along with the Les McCann Trio, Eddie Harris's quartet, were also appearing. Uh, Kenny Burrell, Ella Fitzgerald, Tommy Flanagan, both with Ella and with his own band. Uh, Phil Woods was there. John Sermon was there. Clark Terry, Ernie Wilkins, uh, a big band performance. In fact, uh, on the same night as uh, this album was recorded with uh, Clark Terry and Ernie Wilkins, uh, quite a festival. And uh, I wonder if you could tell us about the venue. Was it was in a casino, wasn't it? Where yes, the it was in a big uh, gambling casino. First time I'd ever seen one. For me, I'm a country boy from Kentucky, you know. And uh, it was it was like a big party. These are. Uh, uh, people that were there to come see us, uh, most of them uh, were young people who had, were letting me know that they already knew about my music. And, hey, baby, we, we are now your your fan club. And I have the largest group of people that come to see me every year. I go to your, our, uh, this young group from Switzerland and uh, close to the you know, countries right next door to Switzerland, which is where we're also going. We're going to Montreal on this trip. That's right. Now, you, you've played Montreux. Do you know how many times you've played it since you played it in 69? This time will be the sixth time. Fantastic. And yeah. you, Now, I couldn't quite understand the chronology. I was trying to figure it out on the website. Is it this time or was it a past time that you had an exhibit of your uh, photographs as well? Well, uh, uh, 1950, uh, 19, uh, what year is this? Uh, this is 2004. 1994, around 94, 96. I had a major stroke on stage. In Germany, rushed to the hospital. They saved my life. They treated me like a king, and all because of the word jazz. About being related to jazz, they had a jazz community in a small town in northern Germany called Celle. The people were unbelievably beautiful and urged me on get well. You know, we love you, blah blah. So, uh, the two. Well, what was your question again? I'm, I'm, so uh, I'm trying to think of everything. That's right. You know? About your photography. Well, they wanted to raise some money to help me out, you know. And I hear they did. Uh, they did uh, some of my photographs, which were already out there. And uh, somebody came and stole all the money. So not long after that, the next year, I think around, Eddie Harris had a, a major medical problem. So they said, let's just do it for both of them. So they. Ask me what I, what I send to my photo. I have at least 10,000 jazz photographs of, over the years, you know, just for myself keeping a record. And I sent them a set, and they sold those and had a dress rehearsal. Quincy Jones uh, sponsored a dress rehearsal of his performance and uh, used that money to send to Eddie and I to help pay for our uh, medical expenses and to help us out. You know, it was one of the great gestures of all time with musicians. For me and Eddie both, you know. And I think it really shows how much the music just connects with people in a very human way, you know, connects with them on an emotional level that yeah, they're willing to do that. Exactly right, yes. It's, it's, it, it, the jazz is the American ambassador to the rest of the world. I couldn't agree more. Yes. My guest is Les McCann. He is uh, one of the figures behind Swiss Movement, an album uh, that he and uh, Eddie Harris recorded together on Ju June 21st, 1969. All this week we've been paying tribute to the 35th anniversary of this record, and today we're lucky enough to get Les himself on the show to tell us about it. Now, I've heard that after the session that you weren't actually all that, you didn't think it went all that well, and you didn't, really didn't want to go hear the tapes, and Donald Dean called you at the hotel and said, you really should come hear this record, and you said, no, I don't really think it went all that well. And then, bam, it exploded. 
That's exactly what happened. You're exactly right. I'd already called up my wife, and I was concerned, you know, because the guy said rehearsed and nothing, and I hadn't heard anything. All I know is what we did. The people loved it, but me, I'm trying to make everything perfect, you know, in those days. So and I learned a great lesson. I allow the thing, to, let the guys do what they do, and no, it may not be where you want it on the paper or whatever you had in mind. It became what it was itself, and it happened with all the tunes that we played. So it was a golden, golden learning experience for me, you know. Now, the radio DJs back in the States, I guess, started to pick up on compared to what? And it became a hit, huh? Yes, compared to what and Cold Duck Time were the songs they played the most. And uh, till, still to this day, I can't do a set. Even if I'm playing with another band, uh, they'd be yelling out, compared to what, as if it's my band, you know. <laughs> <laughs> even when I came out of the hospital, couldn't even talk. I'm sitting on stage, and they said, somebody noticed it. Hey, get him out there. Do that song. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you know. It's just kind of the anthem for us because uh, it's still to this day, uh, we do it at least twice a night. And when I have my band out there, uh, twice a night at least. So I must have done it over 20,000 times over my career, and uh, I never get tired of it. You know, the thing about that tune, I, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but you listen to the lyrics, and they, apl they apply just as much today, 35 years later, as they did in 1969. And I wonder what that says about how much progress we've made since the 60s, that many of those same issues that are talked about in that tune we're still dealing with today. Well, that's, I think it, what, it, what it really is, that's that song uh, and other songs like that, that the, the, the lyrics state exactly what goes on. It's not what was going on then. It was going on. It goes on all the time, over and over again. And it was about things we do to each other, things that we're not honest with, the politics and all that. And uh, just recently, I think it was last year when they announced the uh, the candidates for the presidential election and, and uh, President Bush said he was running out again. I mean, he's going to run again. So I don't think it had anything to do with People are angry about the war or anything, but in, in uh, New York City, uh, station for the public station of New Jersey, they were playing the song almost every day. And people were calling in and saying, yes, yes. But there was also another element, and this is all told to me by Bill Cosby, who is the MC of the Playboy Jazz Festival every year in Los Angeles. And he said, man, the right wing was calling him to get that song off the radio. That's terrible what you're doing. So the song has built his life and, and, and character over the uh, controversies and the people. That, it was a thing where a song like that will always be a song because people have their opinions about it. So that's what happened. My guest is Les McCann. We're talking to him about Swiss Movement. This is the 35th anniversary this week of this incredible jazz record. And uh, we really uh, just are totally thrilled to have you on the show today, Les. And, and before we go, I wanted to ask you about uh, the one tune that we haven't heard yet from the record this week. And uh, it's the one that, according to my understanding, was the encore that night. And that was a tune called Cold Duck Time. Can you tell us about that? Well, you know, when we finished and walked off the stage, uh, didn't really get off the stage. They kept clapping. And like I said earlier, you know, I wasn't that thrilled about how well I thought it all came out, so I was trying to get off. But they clapped. And we, and we said, okay, Eddie had told me about this idea he had with this song. We said, well, okay, let's do that. 
Uh, folks, if you give me a couple seconds, I want to explain this to the band. I want to tell the face player what he's supposed to play. And Benny, don't you worry about things. Just play what you hear. And it's in the key of F, and that's how we did it. <laughs> that's incredible. That's yep. I'm telling you, man, it's just hearing the stories behind this record, it's so amazing. Because, I mean, a record like this, which for many people, this record got a lot of people into this music in the first place, and it stood the test of time. And when you hear about the fact that most of it was planned by two guys on an airplane without instruments, and the rest of it was figured out on the stage. I mean, exactly. That, and that's the compliment I get the most is from people who say, and I've been listening to jazz for 25, whatever, you know. It was all because of when I first heard that song, it made me want to go out and hear the other guys that were in the business and what they did. And that's, that's, that's it. Well, I can believe it. Now, I know we've we've got listeners uh, all across the country on the web. I just want to mention that uh, Les McCann is uh, this evening in Aspen, Colorado. Uh, he's in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on the 26th and 27th, which is this weekend. On the 30th, he's in Vancouver. On the 1st of July, he's in Victoria. Uh, he heads to Montreux in July. And later in July, he plays at Joe Zawinul's Birdland in Austria. Les McCann, i got to say on a personal level, this has been a, a real thrill for me, and I really thank you for uh, taking the time to come on and chat with us about this record. Well, what a pleasant, nice surprise for me, too, hearing that you wanted to do this, and I thank you very, very much on behalf of myself and the band, the guys that play with me here. And God bless all the people in Rochester, one of my old-time favorite cities that haven't been there in a hundred years. But there was great people that I knew there in those days. Was this John Henderson family and all? Yeah, absolutely. And Roy McCurdy, and I still work with him time to time now. That's fantastic. Well, uh, from us in here, right here in Rochester, we wish you all the best, and uh, hope we'll get you back here in town one of these days. And to close out this tribute to Swiss movement, let's hear the tune that closed out the concert. Eddie Harris has just finished explaining it to the band. They're ready to hit with Cold Duck Time. All right, we're going to try a new song. This is a song written by Eddie Harris. Today was the first time we ever saw it. <laughs> so, with your help, <laughs> we might do it. This is called Cold Duck Time. 